Hello, everyone. Hello. Uh, welcome back to the Book Squad podcast. I'm Polly. And I am Adam. How are you today? I am. Can I tell the truth? <laughs> it's a podcast. <laughs> I am. I'm having a day. I'm, it's, I'm having. Some days you just have a real scattered day. I'm yeah. having that day. It started off wild and it's just not mm-hmm. gotten calm since then. But. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward very much to 6 p.m. today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, thought I had figured out my schedule perfectly. I had done everything right. It's a very busy day, and trying to figure out how to do everything was complicated. And I was like, yes, I got it. And then I walked in, and the very first thing you said to me was, hey, did you know you had a meeting at 10 a.m.? And I was like, you know, I should have. No. I surely should have. No. So uh, I'm also having a similar day. Yes, I know. <laughs> We're having a day. But we're going to... Everybody breathe in and yeah. out. Now, now is meditation hour. Now, we're yeah. gonna pivot. And we're gonna pivot. <laughs> pivot. And we're gonna talk about some good things. Yeah. So, uh, one good thing happened mm-hmm. that we will share the picture in the show notes. Yeah, because it's incredible. Because it's super incredible. But a really cool thing that happened. You know, last time we talked about. Booktoberfest. Mm-hmm. We talked about our community read being Dracula. Mm-hmm. And did we talk about did we talk about Keanu Reeves being in town? Oh last yeah. Week? Okay. I don't think we uh, we didn't talk about him being in town, but we specifically mentioned Keanu Reeves we and how absolutely he did is just the perfect mm-hmm. perfect Timbo. Yeah. And for this character, he really is. And so, turned out he was coming to town with his band Dog Star, and um, we just took a chance. That perhaps he might be kind enough to take a picture with Dracula (laughs) because I thought he might. And he's very kind and all the lore around him is that he's the nicest human. Turns out it's true. True story. (laughs) True fact. Because I wrote a very nice note to him asking if he would please take a picture with our book and then send it to me so that we could use it to promote. And he did yep it's an incredible photo uh and it's very sweet he just he just did it he didn't have to do it yeah i mean he could have been like whatever yeah he's an incredibly famous man in a small town in kansas and he was like sure i'll take a photo of this book that of a movie that i was in ages ago ages ago (laughs) but yeah i mean yeah so that was it's going at the top of my librarian resume oh yeah i think forever it's probably the best thing i've ever done was right that note <laughs> yeah that's not true it's so that's not cool. the best thing i've ever done but it was really i'm glad that i just did it yeah um just p- pushed in front of those people who were in line for dog star <laughs> and got myself into liberty hall and asked them very nicely to please deliver it to him and shout out to whoever that amazing person working was because they could have easily been like okay thanks blonk and yeah. just thrown the book <laughs> into the garbage but they didn't. They made sure that it got to his hands. And I really appreciate that. Random, very nice person who works at <laughs> Liberty Hall. I, If I ever see you again, I owe you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Incredible. I'm – yeah. It's just – I'm still – I wasn't even directly involved with this. And I'm just like, this is the coolest thing that's ever happened at my job. <laughs> it's been It's been pretty nice. People have been very, very – the one thing that was a little – I feel a little bad about is that people didn't realize that he didn't come to the library. Like mm-hmm. if they hadn't been to our library and didn't know that the background behind him was not our library – 
they assumed he came here. And I heard that some people were very disappointed that they missed him yeah. coming to the library. And I was like, well, he, he didn't. Yeah. He didn't come here. He was very busy. I know he went to a couple places in town, but mm-hmm. the library Probably the same place as Taylor Swift went, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I know he went to a food place, and I know he went to a music place, and and I know he was staying at a hotel. My friend got to shake his hand. Incredible. I was telling this whole story, and they were like, oh, Polly, this is so cool. And then my friend was like, well, I was the first person to welcome him to Lawrence, and I shook his hand, and I was like... That's amazing. Way to make my story less cool. <laughs> Appreciate it so much. At least much. you can wash your hands, though. I'm... Your friend can never wash their hands. <laughs> They're going to be really gross. That's true. Well, you know. Anyways, I'm sure Kiana was listening. Oh, so for sure. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> thanks, It was best really friend. nice of you to do that. And don't forget, you still have my email. So <laughs> FYI, if we want to chat sometime, let me know. Yeah. Um, I guess we can, with that out of the way. Yeah. Well, the the really really fun stuff we can talk about the maybe less fun stuff, but important stuff. Yeah. Um, because today, dear dear listeners, listeners, (laughs) dear listeners, I told you earlier I'm having a day. (laughs) Dear listeners, dear listeners, like we're the Swedish chef. Um, but today, dear listeners, we are talking about Band Book Week. Okay, so Band Book Week was first launched in 1982 in response to a sudden surge in the number of challenges to books in libraries, bookstores, and schools. The annual event highlights the value of free and open access to information and brings together the entire book community. Librarians, educators, authors, publishers, booksellers, and readers of all types in shared support of the freedom to seek and to express ideas. Uh, true story. Yeah. 1982. I don't know. I, know. Why I didn't realize that. But now thinking about life in 1982, it makes sense to me. Oh, but yeah. Like, um, I'm getting it. So, um, so, but if, if you've been to the library, if you're a person who comes to our library, if you're local, um, you might've noticed that there's some chairs mm-hmm. and some posters in the atrium and there's, um, a little cozy little area that you mm-hmm. can sit down and there are Very copies cute. of, um, the top 30 band books from last year, uh, 10, 10 adult, 10, uh, YA and 10 children. Mm-hmm books um that you can sit down and peruse read them yourself have access to them um so you know we just wanted people to take a moment to look at the books themselves yeah because what seems to be frequently happening is that um there are groups of folks who will just pick out titles that they don't feel are appropriate and Mm -hmm. will start you know, banning them based on the title or based on what it looks like, mm-hmm. reading the back, flipping through and taking things out of context um, yeah. and not really looking at the entire book, not sitting down to read it. And so I thought, you know, it was important that people sit down and mm-hmm. engage with the material and just yeah. see what it's about, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's what that's about. It's It's a really... It's just a lovely way, I think, for us as librarians to say, hey, maybe 
judge for yourself. Yeah. Take a look for yourself. Like think about the material and who might need it and engage with it yourself. Yeah. And, and, you know, honestly, these books are very often, um, the books, they're almost always checked out. So, so in order for you to look at them and engage with them, um, we just did this display so that they would be available. They will be there. These books are not for checkout Mm -hmm. currently. So if you want to see them because they're always checked out because they're great books, um, They'll be there for you yeah. for this um, for a while. Well, yeah. I don't know. By the time this is by the time this goes out, they might not be. But we have a list also yeah, made, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we will put the list. And now there will be one extra copy of all of those books in the library. Yes. So hopefully, they'll be easier to get, easier access. Uh huh. Yeah, it's just uh, even though this podcast will go out after Band Book Week is over, um, because we are already right smack dab in the middle of it um it's always important to talk about banned books and to read banned books um a lot of times uh there seems to be a pattern in the type of books that are banned Mm -hmm. and it's often books written by marginalized authors about marginalized communities and um those experiences so it's really important to read a lot of those books um one of the top banned books, I'm just looking at a piece of paper in front of Polly mm-hmm. right now. One of the top banned books of 2022 is yeah. one of the most impactful books I have yeah, um, on my little are. list. Yeah, But there's actually, oh my gosh, two of them. Right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, but they're, yeah, like Polly said, uh, judge for yourself. Um, a lot of these are uh, important books and they have uh, a lot of things to say and they might have difficult subject matters. Um, but sometimes it's it especially imperative to read those types of books, mm-hmm. um, even though they are right. hard. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean. Or at least know about them, right. I think. I think, it, I think the thing that is that I've been struggling with is as a librarian, you know, our whole our entire work is to create, um, you know, intellectual freedom to um, improve access to materials Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. people to make sure that materials are available um, on a wide range of topics. And um, I think that what has been difficult is that a lot of folks who are working to challenge or ban books are folks who feel like they, the material, the material is not appropriate for this group or that group or mm-hmm. whatever. And um, they're they're coming at it. A lot of them are coming at it with the, um, I can't remember the name of the group, but it's something like it should be the parents. It should be the parents' choice yeah. what a child reads. It should be the parents' choice what a child reads. And I think um, that actually, you know, that's not necessarily a bad idea. That makes sense. And those books still need to be on the shelf. They still need to be like a parent can't make the decision if you take the book off the shelf. So your argument, sir or madam, has fallen apart at that point for me when you say I'm I'm challenging these books. I want these books banned because it should be the parent's decision. Well, it is the parent's decision. Mm-hmm. I mean, if a child is under 18, it is the parent's decision. Mm-hmm. And um, it's the library's 
role to just make sure that the material is available because yeah. some parents will decide that they want their child to read gender queer or the bluest eye mm-hmm. or out of darkness or you know looking for alaska whatever all mm-hmm. of these are on the top 13 banned most banned books of last year uh there are plenty of parents who will decide they do want their child to have access to yeah. that that is appropriate for them that is appropriate for their family and that is why librarians school librarians will teachers hopefully will continue to push for intellectual freedom and freedom to read and access because there are families who do want their children to read those books and there are people who are you know over the age of 18 who would like Mm -hmm. to read those books and they need to be accessible and so um you know that's our our entire agenda is not forcing you and your child Mm -hmm. or you and whomever to read anything. Our entire agenda is making sure that the materials are available. Yeah. And then you decide what you want to read or not, but you don't get to decide for me or for someone else's family, what they want to read. Mm Mm-hmm. So I feel like I don't know why that like part gets tangled up for people. I don't understand like the little disconnect between I don't think this is appropriate and I then I won't read it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't understand the disconnect between I'm going to tell you that parents should be allowed to choose and then I'm going to try and get this book taken off so no parents can choose it. Yeah, take away the right to even choose. Um. Like, the opportunity, right? I I would love. I I mean, I I guess I just don't understand where the disconnect yeah. is. Where, yeah, like where that happens for people in their mind. But um, but that seems to be happening because, let me tell you, in two thousand three, um, there were three hundred and five unique titles challenged. Wow. In twenty. 12 there were 339 unique titles challenged in 2020 there were 223 unique titles channel challenged in 2021 there were 1858 oh, wow. and in 2022 there were 2571 interesting that's so, a very sharp uh-huh. intake <laughs> there is a yeah so there is a concerted effort there's a 38% overall or increase in, in 2022, there was a 38% increase over 2021. And obviously, um, you know, that was exponentially large from 2020 and 2012 and 2003. Mm-hmm. So um, you can see that there's the strategy has changed from, mm-hmm. you know, an individual parent looking at a book on a shelf and saying, I don't know if this book should be on right, the shelf right, right, right. and wanting to like say something to the librarian and talk to them about it to like a whole. Yeah. We're just going to like try to get everything off the shelf. Right. So anyway, um, that's what, I mean, I've got some stats. We'll share those stats. Like uh, most of 48% of the challenges take place in public libraries, 41% in school libraries, 10% in schools, and then 1% in higher education and libraries at other institutions. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, 82% are 
books, graphic novels, and textbooks. Um, 6% are displays and exhibits. 4% are programs and meeting rooms. 1% films. Um, of the, of what is being challenged, um, who initiates the challenge, 30% parents, 28% patrons, 17% political religious groups, 15% board or administration, 3% Mm -hmm. librarians, teachers. And there are, I have actually seen books challenged that, that a librarian has challenged because they found them and they were like this it's the material you know it just shouldn't be in the library anymore Mm -hmm. the material is outdated and Mm -hmm. it's you know the title contains language that is not used anymore yeah so that's not to say there's there are not there are not legitimate reasons to challenge a book that may have somehow gone overlooked and then somebody found it and was like this isn't this is this isn't accurate anymore. Yeah. This is yeah. whatever. So, you know, that's why that's why that exists, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's why the process exists. But anyway, um, yeah, these are interesting stats. And yeah. and we've got a little like if you want to do something more about it, we have we can talk about that after. But mm-hmm. we wanted to talk about our Yeah, some banned books that yeah. we uh, we like that have impacted us in some way. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, just even looking over books banned last year, there are several on the list that either I have read or just um, were very unique experiences reading or were very, like, impactful um, for me personally and I'm sure for you as well. Yeah. Um, looking at the list of banned books, some of them I'm – which is like, wow, that one's banned or just mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, I can see why or, or things like that. But um, – there's so many books that are that have been challenged or have been banned at this point. That I'm just like, oh, I've read a, a decent chunk of these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's gonna be a thing that you do. Do yeah. you wanna? Do you want me to talk first? Or do you wanna yeah, go first about you? Can yours? Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I'll just talk a little. I mean, I know I've talked about the color purple and beloved mm-hmm. on this podcast a bajillion times, so I'm not gonna belabor it, but. Um, the Color Purple and Beloved are two books mm-hmm. that were very impactful to me, that made a huge difference to me in um, their books that I've uh, – well, Color Purple I was reading every year for a while. It's been a while since I've read it every every year. Um, and Beloved was a book that I read in college and – actually, I read both of those in college um, and they really changed like – the trajectory of my work actually Mm -hmm. like I thought a lot about what I was doing and I decided I wanted to go into nonprofit I wanted to go into working with students who were underrepresented Mm -hmm. and a lot of it had to do with reading those books and understanding um you know systemic racism Mm -hmm. and that history is not so very far away and you know seeing the direct link to these um you know, kids still being denied access to things. Yeah. And, um, and both of those books, you know, are, um, they're set, they're historical novels. They're set a ways back, but it's when I'm, you know, I was working in these fields and seeing like how close things still were. Yeah. Um, both of those books really changed my life. And so, I can't, I can't imagine them not being available to people just to, 
you know, really get a good understanding about individual stories. And like, for example, Beloved is historical and it, it does have like some magical realism elements, but it is based on an actual thing that happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a true story um, in terms of like what happened. Um, so those two for sure. Yeah. And um, I know for, you know, I know they're hard books to read. I mean, mm-hmm. People like black people in America have had uh, incredible, terrible things happen to them as a system, as something we have enacted into law as, you know, so I know that is very difficult as a nation to face those things. And, and I know it's very difficult to talk about. And, um, I understand that some people don't want to talk about it. That's why they want to challenge around these books so um those two and then the last one i when i was just looking through the list i picked this one because i was like what i loved this book (laughs) and i could not i mean you're like why why is that yeah same thing um (laughs) a light in the attic is a book of poetry poetry by shell silverstein yeah i loved i loved his books when i was a kid yeah me too although we need to the giving tree we i have some issues with but I love all of his poetry and um, I was like, why, why did this get banned? And it said um, it, it was banned or challenging and or banned because some people claim that it promotes disrespect and violence (laughs) and that um, children, you know, they're, they feel that children can't um, understand the hyperbole. Mm -hmm. They can't understand the silliness and that it is they will take this you know these poems and make something more of them uh use them to inform their life in some way mm-hmm. <laughs> other than um just a fun fun mind exercise and silliness that is Charles Silverstein's poetry mm-hmm. so i was shocked by that but um yeah that's a light in the attic is very frequently wow. Okay. Challenged a band, just <laughs> FYI, and it I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah, um, some two of the books that I have were some of the most challenged books of 2022. So wow, um, I know how to pick them. Um, I picked uh, Gender Queer by Maya Kobabe, um, which it's one of the first books, if not maybe the first book I, I ever read from a gender non-conforming perspective, which is pretty cool. Um, as I've talked about before in the podcast, I'm non-binary. So reading any perspectives from this unique perspective underneath the trans umbrella is just important. It's it's nice to to see some of my experience reflected in in a text or see how different our experiences are. Um it's really important to show as many experiences of marginalized people as possible so that people who are with not within the community understand we're not a monolith we all have very different lives um so it was really cool to see ways in which maybe my experience reflected um the graphic novel and in some ways where i couldn't relate at all um but that was just a really cool experience to to read a book about someone trying to figure out their gender identity um another book that was also really impactful i read this years and years ago um it's another tony morrison the bluest eye which 
Toni Morrison is um, kind of an actual genius. Mm -hmm. um, her yes. her writing style is so incredibly beautiful. Um, uh, it, you should definitely read her books. They they are definitely difficult reads. Yeah, they are. But they're she was doing stuff decades ago that very few people were able to do. Um, she was writing about a lot of stuff. Um, she's been writing about anti-racism and things that happen within the black community uh, for decades and decades. Mm -hmm. And these are conversations that um, have been happening for decades and decades. Um, it's not just um, within the past like five years, right? Like this has right. been something that's been um, mm -hmm. on people's minds for a while. And it's just, it's wild to read her books that many of them, yeah, even take place ages ago but they feel so current right. they're still taking place yes like the echoes of this yes and not even the echoes like actual yes reality is, yes. is still with us yeah it's just um you've probably heard of toni morrison and you've heard of her for a reason because her mm -hmm. books are are just frankly incredible i want to take a little side note there because it occurred to me while you were talking about this whatever you said was like ding and it made this mm -hmm. light go on to me is like the importance of having these books and reading these books that are very difficult to read mm -hmm. is that, um, you know, we, we talk about when you're trying to understand the experience of a person or the mm -hmm. experience of a group of people or the experience of like a historical moment, mm -hmm. um, that we, you know, you may or may not have friends and you want to ask them questions. And we, if you've heard about it or you think about it or, you t or you've heard people talk about it, you're asking them to do this emotional labor for you. Yeah. Because it is a lot of times they're talking about very difficult life experiences that yeah. have happened to them. And you're, they're being asked over and over again, well, what's it like? Blah. Yeah. What's this like? Yeah, exactly. And so it is a, it occurs to me like one of the wonderful wonderful things about reading books mm -hmm. and fiction in particular in some ways is that the author does a lot of emotional labor yeah. writing this book, this story so that you can then read the book and then experience that emotion and experience that life. And the author gets compensated mm -hmm. for their work of doing this emotional labor yep. and that you can pick up any number of books in the library and read about a whole like wealth of experiences mm -hmm. and you don't have to bother your nice friend <laughs> who just wanted to come over and have a glass of Pinot Noir with you <laughs> and not necessarily talk about slavery. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. You, you can do that work yourself. Yeah. You, there without re-traumatizing someone. Without re-traumatizing someone because they, these books exist. And then, yeah, if you want to talk about it, get in a book group, mm -hmm. talk about the book with people. Um, that's something. But it just, it occurred to me while you were saying that. Like, yeah. that is. That's a good point. There is a lot of emotional labor that goes into, I am positive, that Toni Morrison, like, is wrenching everything out of herself yeah, to yeah. write these books and she is rightly compensated for doing so. Yeah. And she has given that gift to the rest of us to educate ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. Um, I have one final book. Mm -hmm. 
um, that is uh, maybe less traumatizing, but also <laughs> but still kind of, kind of because it's pretty violent. Mm-hmm. Um, this one might feel a little out of the blue, but for me, one of the books that stood out the most to me on the list was The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever talked about these books ever. Um, not on the podcast, at least. They are... I remember working at a little bookstore on campus well over a decade ago. I was a stressed out, burnt out undergrad, no longer reading for fun. I hadn't read for fun for years and years and years. And this was around the time that all of the Hunger Games books had been published. I think the movie was kind of like announced and Mm -hmm. it was about to come out. And I was like, what is, what's this whole thing? What's going on here? And I picked up The Hunger Games and I I kind of never looked back. It was one of those books that reinvigorated my love of reading um, well before I thought that was even an issue. It was just like I I learned how to read again by right. reading The Hunger Games because they were just so compelling. And I thought Katniss was such an interesting character I'd never really read right. before where she's so clinical in the book. Like she's very, very, very logical and she she very rarely acts emotionally. She thinks about like everything before before officially doing something. There are a, which means that when she does act emotionally, it is right. ten thousand times more right. impactful. Um but yeah, it's those books were really important to me and are still pretty important to me because I I wasn't reading for years and years and years and years and years and then I, I picked up those books and I started reading again. So that's yeah. that's really cool. The the power that books have to just make you interested again in in subjects or or make you want to experience that creativity. I think that's right. really cool. I yeah. love books. I- <laughs> I'm on a podcast about books. I, <laughs> I work in a book. I work in a place where books live. Uh, I I feel that sometimes every single day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I walk in and I'm like, I love books. This is my life. Um, I yes, I also loved The Hunger Games. I don't know that it necessarily changed my life, but I also was in. I read it for um, young adult literature class that mm-hmm. I and because I was in library school when the yeah. book came out. And or around that time. And I remember I was a few pages in and I jumped up and I ran out and I was like, oh, my gosh, to my husband. I was like, well, you got to read this book when I'm done with it. But also, <laughs> like, this book is so great already. And I was just a few pages in. Yeah. And I already I was like, this is Shirley Jackson's The Lottery. Incredible. Like, yeah, it is. It's the lottery, like, made into like a young adult series. Yeah. And so I just was like that. And that being Shirley Jackson's The Lottery, like, stuck with me, right? Yeah. So when I read this, like, I when I read that someone took that and turned it into this, I was like, wow, ah, I was so excited. Mm-hmm. And I just tore through th- those books. Yeah, yeah. Like, I really did. And I, um, same thing. It kind of got me out of it, out of a slump. I think I was, you know, I was in school and working full time and mm-hmm. I had 27 kids or something like that <laughs> who were in all different schools. So mama was tired yeah but this was a great this was a great book and it yeah. has a lot to say about human nature and who we are mm-hmm. why books often do yeah Don't i sleep on YA books yeah they're adults. incredible i'm telling they're you they're great picks okay what now 
What should we do now? Hmm. That was a lot. Yeah, that was a lot. We said a lot of things. We did say a lot of things. Okay, let's pivot one more time. Okay. Holly, right now, what are you obsessed with? <laughs> it doesn't have to be book related. I can go first if you go, need some time. Go, I need a minute. I need a minute. Okay, so I recently reread The Secret History, um, which is like the the seminal text for basically jump-starting the whole dark academia um, aesthetic, <laughs> uh-huh. which yeah. I am – listen, but I, I'm for this aesthetic. And because of it, I've <laughs> – Your face right now. I wish you guys could see. Uh, but you can't. I'm ex- first of all, I would like to point out I'm extremely cool. I'm a very cool person, and I've been building these houses in The Sims 4 that are dark (laughs) academia-themed, and I am so proud of them. And the amount of glee I had showing my partner this house that I had built in this little video game, I I cannot fully describe to you (laughs) the absolute joy of being like, hey, I made this thing. Look at it. Look at all of the plants. (laughs) I made this weird little basement you can only access um, with a ladder. Um, Yeah, I went all out. And I've just been – I bought these weird Grecian bookends um, (laughs) online. I spent way too much money. I was just like, I'm going to do it. They're really cool and I can't stop thinking about them. Um, And I've been reading a lot of uh, dark academia type books and just kind of like living my best fall life, my best spooky (laughs) – um, morally gray life <laughs> in books. I would like in to books. say I'm a very moral person, that's, everybody. <laughs> all right. That's actually. So I know this is I just need to stop saying this and I need to go back right before we record and look exactly at what we talked about. <laughs> because we had just I had read we read tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And I don't remember that we talked about that on the last podcast. Maybe maybe it was after. But about video games. Mm-hmm. And so it's funny that you bring that up because I'm not a gamer, mm-hmm. but uh, I never have been. I mean, unless you count like when I used to go play Donkey Kong in the liquor store <laughs> in the 80s because they would let teenagers just loiter in a liquor store in the 80s. 80s. were wild. Wild. Wow. What a um, time. What a times. And we would go and I would go play Donkey Kong or just, you know, like lean against the machine and look at my crush whose name was Duffy and I loved him so much and he never <laughs> loved me. Anyways, that's a story for another time. Um, we, yeah, so I, I read this book and I was, I was suddenly like, this is, well, this again, this is why you read books, right? So I was like, I never really quite got why my kids were so into video games. Mm-hmm. Like, I I loved that they loved them. Sometimes I hated that they loved them. But, and I had friends who played and, you know, and I knew a lot of friends who were like, if my boyfriend, usually boyfriend, my boyfriend plays that game one more time. <laughs> it will be the end of everything and maybe even his life and so like yeah so i get that and if they could be addictive and whatever whatever but this book tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow gabrielle zevin and it was a lot about um like just the storytelling aspect mm-hmm. and like very interesting things and so i have kind of become obsessed with figuring out a game that I could become obsessed with. Yeah. Right? Like I I'm I sat down and asked all of my kids. I was like, "Guys, of all the video games you play, what do you think 
I would like. Yeah. And they kind of went through all of them and they were, you know, they did like a reader's advisory. They did a gamer's advisory for me. Right. So like, you know, it was talking about like, what kinds of things do you like? And what, like, how much time do you have? And Mm -hmm. what are, what are you in the mood for? And like, so we, cause some things you, I thought like, oh, I love storytelling and I love this and I love that. But also I'm very busy and I don't have time to play a game for 400 hours. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I, I want to be able to sit down, do something for an hour and then like not lose my life to this thing. Like yeah. I want to be able to go do another thing. And so I want it to be satisfied. Like I want that hour to be a satisfying situation and not walk away from it. Yeah. So I, I guess I'm obsessed with trying to find something to become obsessed with. Yeah. But obsessed in a healthy way that can be controlled. Yeah. Polly, did you know that there is a dating sim game called Dream Daddies in which you can date various hot men? What? Okay. We could talk about this when the podcast is over. But it's really funny. You sold me. Yeah. There's so many dating sims. Daddy, oh my gosh. I know. Well, that was the interesting conversation that we had at book club when because I read this for uh, Third Thursday Book Club, and there were a couple young women there who were gamers and they were they talked a lot about their experience in gaming yeah and like how they struggled to especially when it's online gaming and the sexism that they face oh misogyny yeah. oh and yeah whatever and so um but they also really gravitated towards like sim type games oh yeah those are my favorites mm-hmm. and i think i'm i mean i'm a control freak <laughs> i don't know why i haven't been doing sims this whole they're so time. fun i'm the boss of everything and yeah Sims, right like yeah. that's how it literally looks. all right we're gonna talk about dream daddies when we get to <laughs> <laughs> okay let's let's do a quick i just wanted to do a quick thing let's go back let's forget that we talked about daddies for a minute and <laughs> um let's quick do uh we're gonna i'm gonna put a link to this but there is a little um there's a little sheet that we have mm-hmm. that talks about um, if you if you have um, five minutes to do something, if you have 15 minutes to do something, if you have 30 minutes to do something, if you have an hour. Yeah. So um, it's going to be like it will give you a couple of actions that yes. you can do right away to help defend books from censorship and mm-hmm. to stand up for library staff and educators and writers and publishers and booksellers and readers. Mm-hmm. So. If you're listening to this, you probably love books and you probably love libraries and hopefully you love librarians and you mm-hmm. want to, if you, if there's something you want to do and you feel like, what can I do? Yeah. We're going to give you some things that you can do and yeah. we're going to put those in the link, but there'll be a little, yeah. and it's even broken down by how much time you yeah. have. So when you are at home, um, obsessively playing dream daddies, <laughs> you can take a 15 minute break, mm-hmm. go to our website, find a banned book place it on hold or check out an ebook or audiobook version right away. Yeah. Maybe you can do both. Maybe you can listen to the audiobook while you're playing your Sims games. Um which is what I do all the time. Oh. <laughs> Multitasking, can you, baby. Can you do that? Like can you Some of them? Okay. Yeah. If like there's you're not, not so like bah, in the game that mm-hmm. you can actually, Oh boy. I do that with Stardew Valley literally all the time. That makes me feel like okay about doing it yeah you can read a book while you're playing a video game because you know i'm always behind on my reading (laughs) never catch up uh hashtag uh job 
issues. <laughs> Hashtag occupational hazards. Hashtag, Hashtag uh, capitalism. <laughs> Just hashtag capitalism. It's always capitalism. (laughs) All right. Well, I've had a lovely chat with you today. Yeah. It was, we, listen, we started off being like, it's been a day. And I think um, now I'm like, it's been a day. I'm feeling, I'm ready to read a panda book. (laughs) I am ready to play Dream Daddies. (laughs) I mean, read a panda book. That's what I meant. Sure. I uh bet you there's a book called Dream Daddies that's probably somebody would want to ban. 1,000%. One thousand percent. So um, we'll read it. Crossover. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Happy reading. Happy reading. That's it for this edition of the Book Squad podcast. For more details on any of the books or events mentioned in this episode, visit lplks.org. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe and please rate or comment. You'll help others find the podcast. Our Book Squad librarians are Polly Kinn and Adam Lopez. Our theme music is by Heidi Lynn Gluck. I'm Joel Bonner, and this has been a production of the Lawrence Public Library.